0: welcome to mansfield bible church as you can guess here i am in my little office at home uh, because i'm under quarantine greg Lingle this week on saturday uh, just yesterday found out that he tested positive for covid and well i'd been around him and so it looks like that uh, uh, i'm going to be preaching from the house today and so as i do i want us to take some time to really think about the beginning of this year uh, we talked last year uh, in, in the Gospel of Luke and the, and the birth stories of Christ uh, about how um, this needs to be a year. In fact, it was a year of anticipation. It was a time of anticipation that John the Baptist came along and began to get people excited about the coming Messiah and begin to think about that. And so my word for the year for this year is the, is the word anticipation. And so I, I want us to, to think about that, and, and, and I wanted us to focus on that. And so I entered this year looking forward to watching the hand of God at work. Well, this year really uh, started out with some doozies, right? Uh, the COVID cases are soaring. People that we know are all of a sudden getting COVID that uh, is happening in some of our circles. Uh, there was another shooting, uh, and we have, uh, uh, a march in Washington, D.C. that went uh, awry and, and, uh, and somebody got shot and killed during that time. And, and so as uh, you look at these different times at very disappointing times as the year starts out, we begin to ask ourselves the question, where are we going to find help? We need help. Our country needs help. We find it crying out in our own hearts that we ourselves need help uh we uh find that this has been a time of anxiety a time of stress and so as uh as i thought about that i it reminded me actually of a song written in the 1965 um by a group called the Beatles. Some of you may be familiar with that group, some may not. Uh, some may know this song. It's called Help. Simply that. And I love the way it starts. It se- says Help I need somebody help not just anybody help you know I need someone help since when I was younger so much younger than today I never needed anybody's help in any way but now these days are gone and I am not so self-assured now i find i've changed my mind i have opened up the doors help me if you can i'm feeling down and i do appreciate you being round help me get my feet back on the ground won't you please please help me and i thought about those words and i thought wow that expresses some of the intensity some of the urgency and in fact john lennon whenever he was interviewed later about this song help he said he was going through a time when he was subconsciously really through this song crying out for help and i think that we find ourselves in that same place and so the question is is who do we go to when we when we call for help usually when we call for help it's a trusted friend it's our mom or our dad if they're still around and mine have passed and so all of a sudden that changes things and you you find that that safety net that you was always there all your life is no longer there and you're somebody else's safety net you may call one of your siblings or maybe a lawyer if you need one or the geek squad this last week i uh uh, installed uh big sur an operating system for the mac and and uh, my BackBook Pro, and I found that there were some things that didn't work quite right. And I knew I shouldn't have installed that before they got some of these bugs worked out. But now I am help. I need somebody. And my first thought was, uh, I need some uh, geek squad. I need somebody that knows computers. Uh, I, I have to admit, I was kind of running low on patience, and I found myself wanting to th- throw my computer through the window. and 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 it was only then that i found myself praying god help me to calm down help me to get a right perspective about this and it's like is god the last thing the last one we look to it this whole list of people we go to is is do we finally think when nothing else will work we we finally go to god for help i'm afraid that sometimes that may be the case and in fact we find ourselves kind of falling into our culture, which is self-reliant and and looks to self. The Humanist Manifesto um, said, there is no God who will save us, we must save ourselves. And it's like, is Craig Groeschel right that we're living Christian atheism? And so we need to ask ourselves that question, where do we go when we call for help? Do we go to our friends in fact i one man said i always get a little help from my friends but i do whatever i need to do to make sure i do that first but there are times that the help that we need goes beyond what friends can provide it goes into a realm that's that's bigger than all of us and we find ourselves helpless at those times we find ourselves wanting to to know more to 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 find more to have a better result and so we find ourselves crying out to God almost like Lennon when he was talked about this time uh, this time in his life when he's just crying out and we find ourselves crying out sometimes into the darkness sometimes when we're asleep and we find ourselves looking for and winning wanting and, and desiring really God and we don't realize it and so we find ourselves crying out for our country we find ourselves crying out for ourselves. We find ourselves crying out for our families. We find uh, uh, even uh, Leslie and Ingrid Reyes. Leslie lost his mom recently and uh, due to COVID. And, and so it, it makes my heart go out to him. And at and, and this time when you cry out to God and you think, oh, God, help me, his brother Josue is has also got COVID and seems to be doing better. And, and, and we find ourselves at that time of crying out Brian Dibley and his family, God protected them miraculously as they had a rollover on Christmas Eve and, and, and flipped the car five or six times. And he was, it was the jaws of life that got him out and care flighted and, and surgeries. And, and now he's beginning to walk. And I just think, wow, we find ourselves crying out. We, we cry out for, for his family that, they, that they'll get over some of the stresses that were caused by this accident. Well, I love this psalm. It's a beautiful psalm, Psalm 121. I want you to turn with me to Psalm 121. It's one that I memorized years ago, and I don't know it word perfect anymore, but but I remember a lot of it. I usually leave out a phrase here or there as I'm reviewing it, and it begins, I will lift up my eyes to the hills. From whence shall my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Beautiful words, words that just make my heart soar as I think about them. It's a psalm that if we unravel it and we take it apart, it will encourage our hearts. It's a, it's a one that's crying out for help. And yet it's a psalm where, where we find ourselves longing to, to have our God a, a positive perspective of positive focus on who our God is. I usually think of this psalm when when I'm in a mountainous area, when I'm in the mountains of New Mexico and I'm fishing uh, for trout and I look up and I see the mountains around me and I find myself saying the first words of this psalm, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From whence shall my help come? From where shall my help come? When we're in the frio river and we're floating down on an inner tube and and i i've at, t- at, the, at a time there i remember a very special time where where i began to quote that to the person in the tube next to me and and i and i just said we saw just this hill it wasn't a large hill i will lift up my eyes to the hills and you think why is why does the psalmist talk about this that i'll lift my eyes to the hills why is why is he used that as a metaphor for god and and so you have to understand, in order to understand the psalm, you need to understand that little phrase at the beginning that says, a song of a sense. It's usually that's the part we skip over, that little part. And yet that's the a key clue for us as to uh, what this psalm is all about. In fact, you'll notice if you start at Psalm 20 and go all the way through Psalm 30, uh, 120, all, go all the way to 134, you have 15 psalms. Every one of them starts the same, a song of ascents. and And why is it this song of ascending? It's that idea of ascending someplace. And you think, where are you ascending to? And this idea that we're ascending to Jerusalem. In fact, it was these 15 Psalms that were written and used uh, for the three pilgrimage feasts of Israel during uh, Passover. They would they were supposed to all of israel was supposed to go to jerusalem and celebrate the passover and so they would uh every year about two million people from all over not only from israel but from outside the country they would they would make their pilgrimage to jerusalem and and they would celebrate this this wonderful feast and this wonderful time of passover and remembrance uh, of, of, of of deliverance from egypt and then Pentecost, 50 days later, they would celebrate that. That was supposed to be a pilgrimage to, to Jerusalem. And then uh, in the fall of the year, the Feast of Booths, where they would build this tabernacle out of, uh, of, of leaves and, and, and branches, and, and they, would, they would live in those uh, for a week, and they would celebrate their harvest time, but also remember their time in Egypt and God's great deliverance. And so a person that was singing this song, would sing it on his way to Jerusalem and or on her way to Jerusalem. And they would, these, these songs were, all 15 of them sung uh, during that time that they were in those, those uh, pilgrimages. And in fact, uh, there's the Nicanor Gate. And there's a, a slide that I have of that, if, if it can be shown now, of the Nicanor Gate. It's the uh, 15 steps that go from the court of women up into these steps, up to this Nicanor Gate, and then it goes into the court of uh, Israel, which was a portico all the way around the court of the priests. Now, the court of the priests was where the, the fire was, where they had offered their sacrifices, and the bronze labor where they had washed, and, and before, that they, before they went into, the, uh, the priests could go into the holy place, and then the high priest once a year on Yom Kippur, the Holy of Holies. Well, on these 15 steps the Mishnah tells us that they would sing these psalms, these 15 psalms, and there's 15 steps that go up and they would stand on one step and sing psalm 120 and then they would step up a step and sing psalm 121 and then step up another step and it was just this procession. And so if you think about it, everyone who uh, lived in Israel in those days this this they knew these things they knew these by heart they knew the words by heart this was on their playlist so to speak and and they would know these psalms and there was a reason why god wanted to to repeat these psalms over and over and, and get them in their heart and this one here is where do you go for help well i lift up my eyes to the hills where was the hills the hill was mount moriah it was the hills of jerusalem and and mount moriah was this the hill where abraham offered isaac it was where david bought it from from Aruna uh to uh to make it a place for the temple it was where the temple was built by solomon and where the glory of god came in it was an incredible place and and it was a place of of god providing for abraham it was a place of of, uh, uh, of God providing for Israel and for David. And David wasn't allowed to build the temple, but the temple was there. And the Temple Mount is still there to this day. The temple's not there, but they looked to that place as the place of the presence of God, a place of, of uniting with him, of coming to him, of, of, of understanding and, and relating to him. And, and the psalmist here of Psalm 121, he understood that and, and said, I will lift my eyes to the hills from where does my help come from? And the rest of the psalm, he's explaining where his help would come from. And the question that we've got to ask ourselves as I've, is, is this, and that is, is God our first hope or our last hope? Is He our first one that we seek when we look for help, or is he the last one we seek when all else fails? We need to ask ourselves that question. and We need to ask ourselves, why is it that way? Because God should be the first one we seek. We should shoot that quick prayer up to God and say, God, help me. I don't know what I need right now. I'm, I'm losing it. I'm, I'm struggling. I, 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 I can't understand what you're doing. Uh, I can't see your face. I can't hear your voice. And that we listen to God. And that we take time to calm our hearts when they're anxious and when they're disquieted within us. We, he calms us and he says, do not fear my child. He says, my help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. The psalmist here is making a statement of faith, a statement of declaration of faith. This statement of faith that he's, he's making is... is um, similar to the creeds. In fact, one of the, the creeds, the uh, Apostles' Creed says, uh, uh, talks about this very thing that uh, uh, I believe in God, uh, in God, the Almighty God, maker of heaven and earth. Or I believe in God Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth. This idea that, that we trust in Him, that we trust in the one who created all things. He's omnipotent. He created me as I am. He knows exactly why I'm so anxious. He knows what makes me tick. Like my computer that I want to be fixed, he knows what needs to fix me. He's the geek squad, if you will, for me, for humanity. He's the Greek geek squad that knows my, my inner self. He knows my biggest struggles. He knows what holds me back. He's the first one I should talk to. Because he created me and he created all things and the one who had the power to speak the worlds into existence has the power to speak my life. Into the direction of his love. He says in verse three, he will not allow your foot to be moved. Now. I asked myself the question. Um, is that foot being moved a reference to a physically or spiritually? You would not allow your foot to be moved or your foot to slip. Well, my foot slipped a lot of times physically when I've been climbing uh, uh, mountains, not like Skip Wobig used to climb mountains, uh, mountain uh, rock climbing and ice climbing, but uh, just hiking up a hill. I've slipped many a times on a rock or over a stream or whatever and got my foot wet. Or, uh, and and he, so, so what is he talking about? He will not allow your foot to be moved or to slip. I think he's talking spiritually this idea that that we are all in a sense moving in a direction that where we could slip easily slipping jimmy or we're all in a sense uh, uh breaking bad uh, and, and spiritually slipping, I think about the struggle of Job and, and his friends coming along and saying, you must have failed. You must have slipped in some way. And, 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 he's, and he keeps maintaining his righteousness, which is amazing to me because I would think that for most of us, we could say, oh yeah, you're right. I've messed up here and I've messed up there. And, and But Job said, you guys got it wrong. You guys don't have the full picture here. And in fact, God even rebukes them all at the end of the book because Job is correct he is righteous he was living righteously and yet not humbly or as humbly as he could have understanding who God is and God began to remind him of those things I love the book of Job and 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 its power there in fact uh, my wife and I have started reading uh, are doing the Bible recap uh some of you are doing it as well if you haven't i would encourage you to go to the uh, bible app uh uh uh, the U version bible and uh, download it if you haven't and if you have go to one of the plans and find the bible recap and in the bible recap it uh you you can uh, have it read the text to you and it'll read through the bible chronologically then it'll encourage you to look at the uh, bible project overview of the book and and then uh, a uh, a lady comes on uh, Tara Lee Koble, and she begins to talk about what you just read and what you just heard, and she has some fascinating things to say. You may not agree with everything or my, the way she words some things, but uh, uh, but she's it's very fascinating what she has to say about the text, and so it's created great discussion for us. And we're in the Book of Job, and 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 as we were looking at it. One of the statements that I was reminded of is, is Job 13, 15. It says, Though he slay me, I will hope in him, yet I will argue my ways to his face. And I was thinking, wow, he's, he's, he's saying, as we look at this passage, we think, Well, God, what if, you don't, uh, uh, what if you don't allow me to spiritually stand strong? Or what if, you know, it says, He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on the right hand. The sun will not strike you by day, nor the moon by night, in verse 6 of our psalm. And, and, And you read these things. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. And you think, all those things that He says He will do, there's times in our life where we doubt that where we question that and we think, Lord, will you keep my foot from slipping? In fact, in Psalm 73, we have the psalmist writing. He says, but as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I had nearly lost my foothold, for I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. I almost slipped. I almost slipped spiritually because I saw that the wicked were doing well and the righteous not so well, and it began to make me envious of them and want to live that life instead of understanding their end. And he understood that when he walked into the house of God. And so here this psalmist, I lift up my eyes to the hills. I wanna be in your presence. I wanna be at your house. I don't want to slip. I don't want my foot to slip. You have this statement here where he's talking about I and me and my, in verse 1. And then when he gets into verse uh, 3, he says your foot and uh, keeps you and your keeper in verse 5 and your shade and strike you. And you think, wait a minute. Why did he switch from I to you or my to you? Or uh, why is that? Well, he makes that statement of faith of his own. And then he's encouraging us to take that same statement of faith. He's encouraging us to to follow him. And uh, even in the honest struggle here, But we find ourselves questioning, Lord, are you going to do this? is this really going to happen? And that's why I love Job's statement, though he slay me. Yet will I hope in him. You see. This one statement in this psalm in verse seven, it says, the Lord will keep you from all evil. I've thought about that a lot over the years about, is God the author of evil? Had a class where we dealt with all sorts of apologetic issues, and this was one of those. Is God the author of evil? And the statement that many people make is, well, God created everything. In fact, we see it here in this psalm: who made heaven and earth. And evil is a thing, right? Is their thinking. And then they follow that with so therefore god is the author of evil well it's an interesting syllogism but the problem is in the second point as it is many times god is the author and creator of all things but he's not the author of evil because evil is not a thing it's not the absence of a thing either just because i can't jump high and run fast and make millions of dollars playing in the nfl or nba or even in hockey, that's not evil. It may be something I wish I had, but it's not evil. Uh, A rock not being able to see is not an evil thing just because it has a lack of sight. And so a lack in a thing is not what causes something to be evil. What causes evil is a wrong relationship between things. It's when a person takes this good hand that God has made and they take a good rock or a or something some hard object and they crash it against some good glass and they break that glass and they gain entrance into somebody's home that they shouldn't have entrance into this good home it's an evil relationship or a wrong relationship between good things all things created by God are good And yet when they are in wrong relationship to one another, caused by willfulness on our part, that causes this idea of evil. And so God isn't the author of evil. It's those who take these good things and use them in a wrong relationship or in a wrong way. And in fact, we find from James chapter 1 and verse 13, it says, God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. So God can't be the author of evil. God isn't somebody who comes along and causes evil. He doesn't tempt us into evil. And so any evil in this world is something that He does allow. And if we choose it, if we move in that direction, then, then that's on us and not on Him. And you say, well, there's some things that, that aren't caused by us. Well, all evil in the world was brought into the world at the sin of Adam and Eve. They aid of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And the only way that you have a knowledge of evil is not an intellectual knowledge, it's experiential. They brought evil into the world when they sinned. And we, whenever we've sinned, when we've done uh, that which we ought not to have done, or we haven't done that which we ought to have done, we find that we have participated in evil, and in that case, we've ratified their decision we've agreed, we voted yes, I would have done the same thing. And so you can blame Adam and Eve, but we're guilty as well. We're culpable as well. But well, we have a God who is our keeper. And that's, that word is used six times. He keeps you, will not slumber. He who keeps Israel, neither slumbers nor sleeps. God is always vigilant. He's always watching out for us. says he is your keeper. Your watchman, that idea of your guard. He when we have things happen in our lives where we're protected, it's God who protected us. I fully believe it was God who protected. The Dibleys. Just this last December. God protected them. God watched over them. He was vigilant. And you think, yeah, but what? Had, what about those who died? What about those who've died of COVID? What about those who have died in accidents? Well, God has, a, has many hats that he wears. One is that he watches over. us. one that he's vigilant. The other is that he is the one who oversees life and death. And when our time comes, it comes. And because death is in the world, which he didn't want in the first place, he makes those decisions. I would not want to be in his shoes to think about every time having to make that decision when it's somebody's time. And being complained about and argued about and, and and griped at for the choice of the timing and the way and everything else you think what a difficult job and that's a job that God has and because he's good he always makes the decision that one day we will understand which right now we simply can't we simply don't we're we're too uh, we, we don't know enough we have a God who is always vigilant, says he's our shade on our right hand. And, I, and this thing, the sun shall not strike you by day. And I think, well, I've been sunburned a lot. So what are you talking about here? And he said, no, no, that's not. He's not talking about that. It's that his vigilance. It starts out is all day long and it's all night long. It's a it's the Hebrew way of saying is twenty four seven There, his watchfulness, his keeping us, his guardianship is twenty four seven all day long all night long god watches over us and his desire is to keep us from evil he will keep our lives and he will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forever i love how the psalmist in psalm 46 says god is our refuge and strength a very present health and trouble God helps us. He doesn't have to. He's not obligated to. He could have created us and just left us on our own, as deists think that he did. But he didn't. This psalm is of a transcendent God, of a a God who, who transcends everything. He's the creator of everything. And so he's not associated with anything. And yet he is very vigilant and very involved in our lives because he cares and he loves us deeply. That is our God. From whence shall my help come? From where does my help? It comes from the Lord. Now I love what Tara Coble said this last uh, today. Actually, when I was when we were looking at Job, and she says uh, we need we need to resist the urge to reach conclusions about God based on what you think humans deserve. You see, we we think we know what we deserve, and yet. She says, most, if not all of my frustrations about God's actions are rooted in the lie that I deserve something. And that's played on by advertisement. And she brings that up, says, advertising everywhere, companies will appeal to your entitlement and try to get you to feed on your self-centeredness. She said, it's disgusting to me. And then she says, especially because I know how gullible I am when it comes to appealing to my comfort and pleasure. And the question that we need to ask ourselves is, what did you see about God's character today? What did you, what do you see about God's character every time you read the word of God? And that, 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 and she says, what did you see about God's character today in your reading that may be different than what I saw? And it's probably is, but there's, Uh, That was her God shot for the day. That was her question for the day. And so I look at this psalm and I think, it says, I and me and you and your. And I I tend to focus on that side of things, but it tells me about Creator, the one who's vigilant, the one who doesn't sleep, the one who watches day and night, the one who who watches over me 24-7 the one who keeps me from evil because he's a God who is good. He doesn't tempt me of evil. And he watches my going out and my coming in from this time forth and forever. He's the one who watches when we when we drive. He's the one who watches the Dibleys. He's the one who watches our lives. So when we ask the question, and I want to encourage us to think this this year as we look in anticipation for God's hand at work, part of that is looking for him for our help. When we look to him for our help, we will see his hand. We may not understand it, may not even agree with it, but we will see his hand. But we have a God who is an ever-present help in trouble. Let's pray. Father, we come to you now and we thank you that you're the God who is ever present, always here, always available to us 24-7. We can call on you in the middle of the night, the third watch of the night, as David would say. We can call on you in the middle of our work. We can call on you in the middle of an accident scene or in the hospital. Father, we can call on you and you are there. And you're a God who cares deeply about us. Father, I pray that we would not be those who, who, who struggle with doubt, but that we would agree along with the psalmist. Father, I pray that there would be people here that would choose to memorize this psalm. And when they would ask for help, they would come to these words. And they would be words of comfort, words of joy, words of, of expression of love of God. Lord, I pray that there would be those here that would begin to do the Bible recap and read the Bible this year and begin to understand your words and be able to study them after you. Lord, I pray that we would get your thoughts as our thoughts. Father, our thoughts are very self-oriented. Your thoughts are way bigger than that. Your thoughts encompass an entire globe. Your 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 thoughts encompass every race. Your Your thoughts encompass every gender. Your thoughts encompass everything there is about this world that's true and right and good. And you see the evil, and yet your desire is to keep us from it. Your desire is to help us to understand the truth as you see it, not as we see it, not as our world sees it. Lord, I pray that you would guide us. We need your wisdom. And especially this year as we, as we enter it, Father, we want to continue with hope. And so, Lord, we pray that your word would give us that hope that we long for. And especially Psalm 121, that we would come to it often. And that we would come to you for our help, not to our friends, not to any other place. But that you would be our first choice, our first step when we need your hope. And we pray these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, uh, studying God's word together, and I pray that you would have a blessed, blessed day.